0: What's up, everybody, and welcome to this Monday, this undepressing Monday edition of the Logan Blackman Show. No, it's it's been pretty nice. I cannot lie; a very stress-free weekend. None of my teams really having disappointing performances, apart from the William Penn Statesman lost losing to Peru State twenty-eight to nothing. But other than that, this has been a very solid weekend for yours truly. Like. It's been, it's been all right. I can't really, unless I'm just completely forgetting about something that is, it's just based, spaced off somewhere else. I don't know where it's gone, but I, I don't know. I, 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 there's probably something I'm totally forgetting about, but I'm having a pretty solid weekend and college football and just football in general this weekend. It's pretty, what do you want to call it? It's not really anything you can describe. It's just been drunk, I guess. Which I, I don't like saying that they're like oh the foot oh football's been drunk this weekend. I hate when people say that, but you see it all over the time, all over the place on social media. I just don't like when people say that. It's just been odd. There's been a very weird weekend in regards to the sport of football, and I don't really know how to explain it. But we'll start off with college football, and Iowa did not play. We already talked about William Penn losing this weekend. The Panthers, the UNI Panthers, going in to Brookings, South Dakota, to play the South Dakota State Jackrabbits. And had a fairly easy time beating the South Dakota State Jackrabbits on Sunday. 20th ranked you and I beats sixth ranked, or then sixth ranked, and then 20th ranked you and I, guess, because I guess they're not ranked that anymore. I don't know what the rankings are right now. I haven't looked at, had a chance to find the FCS rankings. But yeah, you and I winning 26 to 17, up 20 to 10 at halftime, and kind of just saw the game out in the second half. It was a very boring second half. Nothing really exciting happen. There was a targeting call. Benny Sapp got ejected. Uh, Isaiah Weston had himself a very nice game, 125 yards and rece- uh, receiving touchdown. Theo Day threw a passing, one passing touchdown, too. Isaiah Weston. <laughs> but it was just a nice, easy victory for the UNI Panthers. Nothing to really write home about here. Uh, Vance McShane had a really nice day running the ball, had 54 yards rushing. Don Williams had 37 yards rushing. Uh, Bradrick Shaw had the only rushing touchdown in the game for UNI. Pierre Strong had the lone rushing touchdown in the game for South Dakota State. Quarterback Chris Oldekon didn't really do anything either. I mean, well, no, nah, he threw the ball a lot. So by that estimate, he threw for a lot of yards. He threw three, 53 times, so he had to have somewhere around 300 yards, and he did. He had exactly 300 yards and a touchdown. No turnovers in regards to the passing game either. Tiger Kraft had 123 yards, and Jace Jackson-Janky, both for South Dakota State, had well over 100 yards, at least for Tucker. Tucker Craft, he had 123. I guess Janky only had 101. And the lone receiving touchdown came from Jaden Janky. I would assume, just because of how often I don't really see the name Janky, I would just, I think it'd be safe to assume they're brothers to some capacity, or at least related, in some capacity. I don't know, though. All in all, though, game started off fun, and then it got a little boring. The stream that I had was on ESPN. Our Wi-Fi has been, at least the Wi-Fi that hooks up to my PlayStation, I can't really get a consistent Wi-Fi to hook up to our to our to my PlayStation. So, when I watch games, they sometimes cut out randomly. So there'd be stretches where I was looking really nice. It's like this is working out very good. And then it would just stop for about a good 5 minutes and then I'd have to or not 5 minutes, I would probably stop it after a minute if it wasn't refreshing, so I'd go back. But ESPN had U&I's game all the way over. You had to scroll a very long ways down to get to the U&I South Coast State game this weekend. But good thing I stuck with it. Because the Panthers beat a top 10 team in the nation. That's not the only Iowa team that beat a top 10 team in the nation. We had the Iowa State Cyclones beating number 8 Oklahoma State. They just have a thing with beating Oklahoma State, a top-ranked Oklahoma State team, at Jack Trice Stadium. Big stuff. Surprisingly, though, and I think we talked about this before on Friday, the fact that Iowa State was favored by so much. I mean, seven points is not a massive spread. Or it's an unranked team taking on a top ten team, that's a pretty surprising spread, especially an undefeated top ten team in the nation. Now, if we want to go over all the little ins and outs of what people said at the Iowa game versus what people said today or Saturday, storming the field when you're a favorite, is it? Should you do that? Because I remember seeing all the tweets from when Iowa beat Purdue or uh, beat. No, they did not beat Purdue. When they beat Penn State, that wow, storming the field. When your favorite at home, and Iowa was less of a favorite in that game than Iowa State was against <laughs> Oklahoma State. I think Iowa was a two, one and a half, two-point favorite in that game. Iowa State was a seven-point favorite. Yeah, I don't know. Now, it wasn't a great storming the field, to be honest. I've seen the snapshots of it. I didn't see a lot of the Iowa State game because it was on the same time as the UNI game was, but I did see the last drive, or at least Iowa State's last scoring drive with Brees Hall punching in from a I could be wrong from about the five yard line, seven yard line, 10 yard line, somewhere around there in the red zone. That's all we can really say about it. But yeah, I just remember vividly if you're favored, you don't storm the field. Is that, is that, I thought that was what we were doing, but I guess not. And the quarterback that was going to destroy Iowa, remember he was going to destroy Iowa, lost to Illinois. Again, a team that we said on Friday has beat two barely FBS opponents, Nebraska and Charlotte. And, they go in at home at home with 105,000 people in attendance and lose to Penn, to Illinois to Illinois Arthur Sikowski and the Illinois Fighting Illini Chase Brown on the day monster game for the Illini 223 yards rushing and a touchdown Joshua McCray also had 142 yards on the game so the game was really decided on the ground and Sean Clifford, the immortal Sean Clifford, you know, the one we know and love, the greatest quarterback of all time, and yada, 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 that stuff. Injuries don't happen, which is why if injuries happened, we wouldn't be complaining as much as we did after Iowa beat Penn State. Now it's kind of died off because, you know, you just watch Penn State lose in a nine-overtime thriller. Nine overtimes, huh, what would the score be to that? You'd expect it to be somewhere around the 60 mark. No, it was a 20 to 18, was the final And we had this rule, I guess. I didn't know it existed. After seven overtimes, it's just two-point conversions. Just two-point conversions. Very exhilarating brand of football there. At the end of regulation, it was 10 to 10. 10, 10. (laughs) 10-10 at the end of regulation. What? 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 What was this game? This is one of the most cursed football games I've ever seen in my entire life. This thing, this 10-10, then we go to nine overtimes, and then Penn State with the immortal Sean Clifford lose to Arthur Sitkowski in the Fighting Illini 20-18. to The same week, Brett Bielema just basically (laughs) cursed out all of his team and said, we allowed everybody to come back, but nobody here is really deserving of a spot. I'm paraphrasing, of course, but it went into something along those lines. But man, two things that happened this week, Are something that I was told two weeks ago should not happen ever. Injuries should never happen because we know Sean Clifford, greatest quarterback of all time. If he doesn't get hurt, Iowa loses by 30 points. That's just how it worked out, but it didn't. And then you also can't storm the field when you're the favorite at home. Now I get the whole unranked versus number eight team. You were a seven-point favorite. Like you can do that to me all you want. You were a seven-point favorite against the eighth team in the nation, 8th rate team in the nation. You don't storm the field when you're favored, and injuries don't happen in football. Because if they do, if Sean Clifford played against Iowa, they would have won, clearly. And then now, and not just clearly, they would have murdered Iowa. They would have destroyed the Iowa Hawkeyes. And now we see the immoral Sean Clifford play against an even tougher opponent in the Illinois Fighting Illini and lose and rush for negative 28 yards. Had a better statistical game passing, though, in this game than he did against Iowa. He threw two interceptions, no touchdowns against Iowa. He threw one touchdown, had 165 yards passing in the game as well. Two things I was told, those are the rules. I didn't make them up. I did not make them up. Those are the rules. No injuries, no storm in the field when you're the favorite. But, man, that the Penn State-Illinois game was probably the weirdest just off this weekend just because of the fact of how many overtimes there were, and the low score how low the score was was the ridiculous part of it. I think Penn State was favored by 21 points or something. Arthur Sitkowski at quarterback. Remember Arthur Sitkowski, how good he looked against Nebraska? And then as the season went on, we're like, ugh, crap. We're really going to have to return to Peters at quarterback? Oh, no. <laughs> we're going to we're gonna have to go back into the well to go to Brandon Peters at quarterback. And then they benched him, or he got hurt. I don't know. I don't follow Illinois football that religiously. I was a big Illinois fan week one kind of cared less the rest of the year. But yeah, big win for the Fighting Illini. I don't know where Penn State's ranked right now because I would say this loss is a little worse than Iowa losing to Purdue and Penn State dropped all the way to 20th, losing 13 spots. Good Lord. That is bad. (laughs) That was a brutal game of football. But there's a lot of other games in the top 25 this weekend that were not going the way they should have gone. Namely, another one, Oklahoma, Kansas. That game was 10 to nothing Kansas at halftime, 17 to 14 Kansas going into the fourth. It was so much in Kansas' favor that the athletic director, I don't know if it's in Kansas' favor. I guess I shouldn't say that. But this was a game that wasn't supposed to be like this, like a 30 point game. I think I said on Friday that Oklahoma should beat them by like 60 points. I wouldn't be surprised if that happened. This is a Kansas team that almost, almost, almost lost to South Dakota this year and got pounded by Texas Tech and Duke. And I'm expecting Oklahoma to have a hard time against the Kansas Jayhawks. Like, they, Texas Tech beat Kansas in Lawrence, Kansas, so I wasn't really expecting anything different. I thought it was going to be another obliteration of the Kansas Jayhawks. Oklahoma's playing really good with Caleb Williams, at quarterback. And then the fourth quarter comes around. The athletic director sending emails out to all the student bodies saying, if you haven't used your ticket, get to the stadium now because Oklahoma is losing to Kansas. We need everybody here that we can. Now, I don't know how many people ended up being there. I also saw something that they were basically just allowing people into the game for free anyways. So I don't know what the whole deal was with that. But a long story short, Kansas turned to Kansas and allowed Oklahoma to score 21 points in the fourth quarter to lose 35-23. But along with the game itself... The thing that was the craziest part of the game was obviously Caleb Williams ripping the ball out of Kenny Brooks', so, <laughs> Kenny Brooks arms when they weren't gonna get it on fourth down. I don't know if that's legal. <laughs> I don't think I've seen that before. I did hear people talking about his forward progress was stopped, so they wish it have blown the play dead. But I don't know. I think the referees are as confused as what going what was going on that game than anybody else. They didn't know what was going on with the score, and then to top that off, they have a play that they've seen maybe three times their entire life. Maybe. And this is like a combined age of 200 years old or something. I would assume they're all around 50 years old. I mean, you'd have to assume, right? But man, and Caleb Williams had a nice game 178 yards passing, two touchdowns, 70 yards rushing, one touchdown there as well. Kennedy Brooks, 79 yards rushing, two touchdowns there. But man, this game was a lot closer than what I was expecting it to be. I'm assuming. Everybody was expecting it to be. Because I saw something on Twitter. I don't know if I can find this fast enough. But there was something like ESPN posted the stats of Kansas' defense this year. And at the very bottom of it, put out of 130 FBS teams. Or there's 130 FBS teams. And all of Kansas's ranks were like <laughs> just above that. One of them was at 130. I got to see it. Here it is. Points allowed this season. yards uh, points per game. Points per game for 129th. Yards per game, 484.7, which ranks 126th. Pass yards, 250 yards per game, which ranks 128th. And third downs, 56%, which is 130th. Dead last in college football. And Oklahoma struggled with this team. (laughs) They struggled mightily for most of the game until they woke up and go, wait, guys, this is Oklahoma. We're playing Kansas. Not the Mark Mangino, Kansas, with Todd Reesing at quarterback, with Jake Sharp at running back, with Daryl Stuckey, and I don't know if Akeeb Tlaib was there, but he went to Kansas. I don't know if he was at that on that team. Uh, Kerry Meyer, I believe, was at wide receiver. He's the back of quarterback to Todd Reesing. The weirdest one-versus-two matchup of all time, Missouri versus Kansas down in Kansas City, Missouri. That was going to be so awesome. We were going to have one of those guys play in the national championship and then Missouri, unfortunately, won. And then Missouri lost to Sam Bradford in Oklahoma, the big Twelve. Ah, Sam Bradford, Landry Jones. Don't remember which one. But it ended on cool because Kansas beat Virginia Tech in the Orange Bowl. So that was pretty sick. 12-1 and Kansas. Now we have an opportunity to go 1-11. But they almost, almost took it to Oklahoma. I don't know how close it really was towards the end if Oklahoma just woke up. But the score, goodness gracious, it should never be that. Never, ever, ever should you be down to kansas i don't care if you're an fbs program now there's obviously the the um the exemptions i guess with fcs programs because you're got more resources than fcs programs at the fbs level you can have a wider range of recruiting you have a bigger budget you can do all this sort of stuff if you're an fbs team you should never be down to kansas Ever. I don't care if they scored in the first drive of the game, you should stop them. Any there's there's no reason. This isn't basketball we're talking about here. This is football and Kansas <laughs> is, This is as close to a win Kansas is gonna have the rest of the season, I would imagine. <laughs> Just the fact they were that close at one point to Oklahoma and this game, apart from the win against South Dakota, this is the closest game they've had all year. It was a twelve point game. <laughs> Every other game has been by almost 20. The close other game to that was Duke, where they lost by 19. Like, they almost... I mean, man, they'll take a moral victory on that. I would take a moral victory on that. They're playing Oklahoma State, coming off a loss. Then you got Kansas State, Texas, TCU, West Virginia. They ain't winning another game. And I don't know what happened in this game where they took this one seriously or Oklahoma just slept, walked through it and it was like, we're playing Kansas, let's not take this too seriously. I don't know what happened. Either way, awful, <laughs> awful game. And I didn't bring this up with the Iowa State game. I kind of forgot about this. But as I was scrolling on Twitter, trying to find the screenshot of Kansas versus the teams they played this year and ranked 130th in the nation, like 126th, whatever. That thing, I saw this while I was scrolling through my likes. I think we might have had the worst, uh, uh, what do you want to call it, A penalty? Because I know it shouldn't be a penalty, but excessive celebration is what was called or taunting. Iowa State scored a touchdown on Saturday against Oklahoma State. This is one of the few things I saw from the game. And the penalty, the, the touchdown was taken back. It was a nice touchdown play. Xavier Hutchinson walks into the end zone and barely does anything. Like he didn't flip anybody off, he didn't kill anyone's family, he didn't pull his pants down, he didn't do anything. That's what you would expect. Okay, yeah, uh, we should probably take the touchdown back here. Probably. I mean, we, it's safe to assume there. The defender fell over. No one's around him. Wait, what? Now, this is something similar I saw a few years ago. It was LSU. I don't remember who they were playing, but they had a fake field goal or a fake punt, and their punter or kicker, whoever ran it in, he stuck his arms up in the air, kind of like that. But to a lesser extent of that, or no, that was, Xavier Hutchinson's thing was lesser extent of the LSU one. But that one got called back too. But they're both on the same level of stupid penalties that shouldn't be called. And I, I, Jeff Schwartz tweeted this. And I don't agree with everything Jeff Schwartz says on Twitter. But he said, okay, guys, I know we say this is the worst pet- call of all time. Well, we found it. This was called back for taunting. And I, you know what? I, don't, I can't think of a worse call of all time off the top of my head, but if I had to make a power ranking starting with this one, it'd be definitely near the top. <laughs> it might be number one. I just can't think of any others right now. Maybe there's worse ones out there that I just haven't seen, but that one was awful. Awful, awful, awful. Good lord. That was miserable. <laughs> I <laughs> I can only imagine what the reaction was at Jack Trice Stadium, because I didn't see it live. All I've seen of this play was on Twitter because, again, we were watching the UNI-South Dakota game or South Dakota State game. Miserable. <laughs> Bad. Thankfully, oh, my goodness, living in the state of Iowa has its perks. I love living in the state of Iowa. Dealing with Iowa State fans after a loss that was controversially ruled by a ref because they, throughout my high school life, it was all blame the refs thing. This would have been right back on top of it. Thank the Lord Jesus they won this game, because I don't know if my group chat for fantasy football was ready to deal with it, because <laughs> I serve as hell wasn't. I wasn't going to touch it. I was. I didn't get a single Snapchat from them that entire day, which I was very surprised about. But yeah, that was awful call. Other games, sorry for the weird segue there, but I had to bring it up because I saw it while I was scrolling through the Kansas thing. Another top 25 or top 10 matchup, that didn't go the way it should have expected or it was expected to go. Was Cincinnati Navy. Now we knew Navy's a very these triple option schools, we've talked about a thousand times in this show, of they're very hard to break down. They're very hard to scout for. You can never run a triple option offense in scout team faster or as fast as triple option schools. It can't happen. You can run spreads similarly. Now it's not gonna obviously be as proficient because it's scout team but you can run it to a level to where it's somewhat similar. No one's going to be able to run this. All of college football now is essentially spread. Apart from Iowa, who still runs I formation under centers type stuff, but every school mostly is spread. You don't see triple option schools that often, which is why these triple option schools have these games that are closer than what people originally expect. We talk about Army versus Michigan versus Oklahoma, going overtime against those schools. Almost beating Wisconsin last week. Now we'll get to the Army vs. Wake Forest game in a little bit because that game was ridiculous as well. But Navy's not good. Okay, they're not a good football team this year. Historically, Navy is all, has been a really nice football team to watch. Kenny Amatololo is one of the better college football coaches in the country. Has had Navy run, I guess this is pun intended, I didn't think, I thought in my head and then I was I was going to say I was like, well, I guess this is pun intended. Run one of the tightest ships in America. That's the midshipman, LOL. But Navy, the way they kept this game close, they controlled the clock. 39 minutes in this game for Navy running the ball. They had 22 first downs. They just kept the ball in their hands, which is what you need to do with these triple option schools. You control the clock. Like we talked about against Memphis last week, they had a 12-minute drive. (laughs) Now they lost, but they still had a 12-minute drive. And Cincinnati got rustled up a little bit in this game. They won the game, but it was a whole hell of a lot closer than what everybody thought it would be, especially myself. This game is the first time this year Cincinnati has not beaten somebody by double digits. Every game this year has been by double digits. They be Indiana, Notre Dame, UCF, all these teams they played by double digits. The only game so far is against a one-and-now-six Navy team whose only win came against... UCF, a team that Cincinnati pounded to a pulp a few weeks ago. But yeah, these triple option schools, they're hard to scout for. I'm I'm not surprised by these scores anymore. Even though I said that I thought Cincinnati would cover this game, it's because of how bad (laughs) Navy has been this year and how good Cincinnati's been this year. Navy's not on the level of Army Air Force, which is weird to say because Navy was always the cream of the crop when I was growing up. But now, Navy's gone downhill, and Army and Air Force are the two top dogs in the military schools, And they run the triple option better than Navy, which isn't saying a lot. I mean, Navy's still like third in the nation in rushing yards per game, or maybe first. I don't know. They're all up there in the top three. But Navy ships yards. Like, they just give up at the 100 yard. They average giving up like 30 points a game, they score like 15. Cincinnati was going to blow that out of the water, at least what I thought. And Navy does really well. It keeps the game really, really close. And the final close top 20, or top 10 matchup, I keep trying to say top 25, top 10, was Oregon-UCLA, which, again, like Iowa State versus Oklahoma, Oklahoma State, it was an unranked opponent hosting a top 10 opponent, but the unranked team, at least from the time I checked, UCLA was the favorite. I don't know if they ended up being, the line closed to them being the favorite, but on Friday, or on Thursday night, they were a one-point favorite. Or two point, whatever. I you go back and listen to the show. I don't remember. Oregon ended up winning. That's all that really matters here. And Travis Dye ran for four touchdowns with 35 yards. <laughs> that is beautiful stuff right there. Efficiency. 35 yards, sure, but I ran for four touchdowns. Anthony Brown, the quarterback, had a really nice game running the ball. 85 yards rushing, two tu- or one touchdown. He threw two interceptions. I was kind of my my eyes were looking at two different things at the same time. Anthony Brown, 296 yards, no touchdowns, two turnovers. Two interceptions, I should say. And then UCLA, Dorian Thompson-Robinson did not have his most efficient game passing the ball. It just wasn't – you would expect him to be better. I mean, it wasn't bad by any stretch of the amount. 22 of 41 is not great. 220 yards passing, one touchdown, one interception. He also had 35 yards rushing and a touchdown there as well. But the impressive thing for Oregon is the fact they held Zach Charbonnet to 35 yards. 2.5 2.5 yards a carry. And unlike Travis Dye, who had 35 yards rushing, they kept Sarbanay out of the end zone. He didn't only, not only did he not score four, he didn't score three, he didn't score two, and he didn't even score one touchdown. He scored zero. And this is the lowest yards he's had rushing in a game since they played Fresno State in week three, where he had 19. Every game, apart from now three games, he's rushed well over 100 yards. Hawaii, LSU, Stanford, Arizona, and Washington. Almost at 100 against Arizona State, rushed for 89 yards in this game. But man, holding him to 35 yards is really, really impressive. And as the season's gone on, he's gotten more and more carries. This is the lowest amount of carries he's had in a game since that Fresno State game, where he had 19 yards. Now, I don't know if he got injured in that game, because he only had six carries in that game. I don't know what was going on in that game for Zach Charbonnet, but he's been one of the better running backs in college football this season. Oregon put a stop to that and got a very impressive win on the road in the Rose Bowl, Against a though an unranked UCLA team, a good UCLA football team who's now five and three on the season. Unfortunate for some of those, they've had a lot of close games this season. They lost a close game to Fresno State. They capitulated against Stanford or against Arizona State. They had it close at halftime. Didn't do anything in the second half. And then they just lost by three to Oregon. See, you if they figured things out against Arizona State and held those, you flip the other two scores around. I guess you could just say that for every score. If that, if you just flip the score around, they're undefeated. <laughs> That's Navy instead of being 1 and 6. You flip the scores around, they're undefeated. That's really good analysis right there from Logan. <laughs> Other top 10 games going on in the nation this week. Alabama came back and beat Tennessee. It was a close game for a little bit, but then they realized, "Oh wait, we're Alabama playing Tennessee. Nick Saban's never lost out. Tennessee, all the games against Tennessee are relatively bad. There's been a few close ones, but most of them are pretty bad." And Alabama scored 28 points in the fourth quarter to win 52-24. Ohio State piss-pounded Indiana as pretty much expected. C.J. Stroud threw four passing touchdowns in the game. Travion Henderson had 81 yards and two touchdowns in the game as well. Kyle McCord and Jack Miller came in the game to spare. C.J. Stroud as the game went on, couldn't do anything passing for Indiana. Michael Penix did not play in this game, which I'm not surprised about. He got hurt against Penn State. I'm not sure if he played last week, but he didn't play this week. And Indiana did not do anything passing the ball, which has been a pretty common theme this year. Even though they have a receiver as talented as Ty Freifogel out there, their quarterback play has been pretty bad. And they couldn't get anything going on the rushing game either. 48 yards as a team. Their leading rusher was Trenton Howland, Howland for 17 yards. Not a good day running the ball from the Indiana Hoosiers. For receiving for Ohio State, Jackson Smith, Jigba, I, I'm probably, well, not probably, I'm definitely butchering that. But 99 yards receiver for him. Garrett Wilson had 59 yards. Jeremy Ruckert at 47 yards and two touchdowns. Chris Olave was held to 24 yards off two catches with a touchdown in there as well. But C.J. Stroud, remember, I think I'm going to bring this up every single time I bring up C.J. Stroud just because of how funny it was at the beginning of the season, how much hate he was getting. Every time I said anything about C.J. Stroud on Twitter, I had somebody in my comments saying something negative about the 18-year-old or 19-year-old quarterback. We had a old Twitter account that we found just dedicated to bashing on C.J. Stroud. Now the Twitter account doesn't exist, at least from what I have tried to figure out. I can't find it anywhere. And now he is back in the Heisman race, which is what we thought going into the season. He has too many good weapons not to put up great numbers, and he will be up there as one of the best players in college football. I'm not surprised he's figured it out. It was a little later than what was expected. But they had a really tough start to the season. You were on the road against Minnesota. I know it's not the toughest team in college football. But Thursday night football, on the road, your first ever start, things started off a little shaky for him, got in the rhythm later in the game. Then you played Oregon, which he threw for a lot of yards, didn't play particularly great, overthrew a lot of receivers, but he's figured it out and has looked really, really good as the season has progressed. And then we had Michigan beating up on Northwestern, which was kind of unsurprising. I think it was surprising the fact that it took a little bit longer to get going. They scored twenty or um, geez, quick math, 23 points in the second half to win the game. There was up 10-7 at halftime, rushing the ball. I mean, I say this guy's name every time we talk about Michigan football. But Blake Corum had over 100 yards rushing in the game, 119 yards. Hassan Haskins also had over 100 yards rushing at 110 with two touchdowns to pair. Combining for four touchdowns the game, Cade McNamara didn't really need to do a lot, which is a common theme for Michigan this year. They're a very run-heavy team behind the main guys of Blake Corman and Asan Haskins, and so it just makes the job the the geez, the job fairly easy for Cade McNamara. So I'm not surprised by that whatsoever. And that's up for the top twenty-five top jeez I keep doing that top ten teams in college football outside the top ten. We had Ole Miss beating LSU, thirty-one to seventeen. Matt Corral did end up playing the game. Didn't have his, you know, typical Matt Corral performances that we've seen this year, but still was efficient in the game. 18-23, 185 yards passing, one touchdown, 24 yards rushing, a touchdown there. I mean, it's not the 195 yards we saw against Tennessee. It's not the 400-something yards that we see or feels like we see every single week or 300-plus yards we see, but efficient game, got the dub. See, Florida, that's how you handle a banged-up LSU team. And that's also how you stop the run. Trayon De- Davis-Price, the guy who ran for 300 yards pretty much the week before against Florida, 287 yards, three touchdowns, was held to 53 yards. That's how you stop the run. And This is, Ole, this is coming from Ole Miss, a team that has made it a, a very big habit of not knowing how to stop teams on offense. Gave up 600 yards to Arkansas a few weeks ago, which did not say anything. I mean, Arkansas is a good team. Not taking anything away from them. But still gave up 600 yards. That's pretty impressive. You had to try and give up 600 yards of offense or on defense. And then next we had USC Notre Dame. Unsurprisingly, Notre Dame won the game. Drake London had himself an insane game. Again, 171 yards receiving for him. Kyron Williams had a really good game. 138 yards rushing, two touchdowns. Not surprised Notre Dame won that game. And now we are getting to the game that I was talking about a little bit ago. Wake Forest Army. One of the weirdest games I've seen this weekend. Wake Forest won 70 to 56 that is, in itself, a ridiculous scoreline. From a triple-option school, Jabari Lewis still threw for 140 yards and three touchdowns. That's Army's quarterback, for those of you who don't know, because Sam Hartman's Wake Forest's quarterback, he threw for five touchdowns and 458 yards in the game. 458 yards. Army had three players almost reach 100 with one of them reaching 100 yards. Tyre Tyler, 104 yards rushing and touchdown. Tyler Robinson on 98 yards. And Anthony Adkins had 93 yards. Quarterback Jabari Lewis had 13 yards rushing on the day. But the weirdest thing about this entire game, along with the score, but was the time of possession for Wake Forest. Wake Forest had the ball for 17 minutes. How do you score 70 points in 17 minutes? How is that possible? I am completely flabbergasted by that, especially by an Army defense that has been really good this year. I'm not surprised. Wake Forest defense gave up almost 600 yards of offense. That's not surprising. The fact the Army's defense gave up over 600 yards is surprising. An Army turn of the ball over twice also helped this game even or fall over to I get I guess fall over. It was kind of just a stupid play. I don't know. It was just a weird game. 70 to 56. You never expect to see that score, especially when you're watching Triple Option School. Especially when you're watching Triple Option School. 17 minutes though. And Wake Forest is a good team. Sam Hartman's a good quarterback. I shouldn't be surprised they're scoring, but that's a lot of points. <laughs> that is a lot of points. Next game, we had South Carolina versus Texas A&M. 44-14. Nothing really to talk about there. kind of expected A&M. Should be killing South Carolina like that. NC State, Miami. Miami took home the dub 31-30. Tyler Van Dyke had four passing touchdowns in the game with 325 yards. Quarterback from Miami since Derek King is out for the season. Devin Leary, 310 yards, two touchdowns in the game for NC State. But yeah, good win for the Miami Hurricanes. It's the third win of the season and a good performance from Trevor Van Dyke. On the West Coast, going from the East Coast to the West Coast, we got San Diego State beating Air Force 20-14, two very, very run-heavy schools, two of the top five teams in college football in rushing attacks, if I'm not mistaken, could be wrong in that. But both of them, their leading rushers were held to under 100 yards which is saying something and unsurprisingly neither one of the quarterbacks for each team had over 100 yards passing. Lucas Johnson was efficient though, which is weird for San Diego State this season passing the ball. 11 for 13, 72 yards rushing in the game. Just not a very enjoyable game to watch. <laughs> very 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 <laughs> vanilla game here. Typical. I mean, both teams run the ball if you can stop the run you force in the pass. Air Force was the or, uh, San Diego State was the one that came on top of that though. So it all worked out for the Aztecs in that. Next one, we got Clemson Pitt. Not surprising here. We said Pitt would win. They won. Uh, Pitt's offense is really good. Kenny Pickett's one of the better quarterbacks in college football. Clemson sucks. And DJU got benched. He threw a pick six to a D lineman. Or at least from what I saw, I kind of stopped watching it (laughs) when I saw, oh, he looks like he's gone. So he might not have returned a pick for a touchdown. All I know is DJU got benched. This is supposed to be one of the best quarterbacks in college football. The two biggest names, arguably, in college football going into the season from the quarterback position were Sam Rattler and DJU, both of them benched. Both of them. I don't know if DJU's going to transfer or if this was just a one-off game for Dabo Sweeney to pull DJU. But unlike Oklahoma versus Texas, where Rattler got benched, the backup didn't do anything either. They still lost 17-27. Like Benching him didn't really do anything, so I don't know... What the whole deal is with Clemson's offense and why it's as terrible as what it is, but you know what? We move on. I don't really care about Clemson, I know they don't care about me, so we're just gonna move on. Next one UTSA beat Louisiana Tech 45 16, UTSA 8 0 on the season, and finally Wisconsin beat Purdue 30 13. Aiden O'Connell once again, 200 yards passing and a touchdown in the game. David Bell, though. For the Boilermakers, had 33 yards receiving in the game. It was Payne Durham that torched Wisconsin with 112 yards in the game with one touchdown. Graham Mertz didn't do anything, which was kind of expected at this point. They ran the ball really well at two rushers over 140 yards in the game and won. So, yeah, pretty impressive from Wisconsin. Other games from around the world of college football that we might care about. Uh, Liberty, they won this week against North Texas, even though they are fair by 21 points. They didn't win by 21 points. They won, which is all that matters in the grand scheme of things. Really, all that matters, but they won 35-26. And Malik Willis, I don't know when the last time this happened, but Malik Willis was held not only to under 50 yards rushing on the game, which it seems like a pretty standard thing for him. He hasn't rushed for under 50 yards this season, except for once where he had 49 yards against Syracuse. Let's look back at some of his other stats as a look. He had one game in 20, 2020 where he had under 100 yards rushing. That was against NC State, where he had 44. And yeah, we're going back where he wasn't starting. But he, not only did he have less than 50, he had less than one. Malik Willis had negative eight yards rushing on the game. I didn't see this game at all, but I was following it along on my phone because I like Malik Willis a lot. But man, he's had a for the standard that he has set for himself and what the expectations were, which he's not like he's completely fallen off the face of He hasn't. He's still, So spoiler alert. He's still going to be in the top two quarterbacks for next year's draft. It's not... This isn't changing anything. It's just surprising that we've seen him not only... And he didn't throw an interception today, so that's good. But he threw two, six interceptions over two games. This game, he had under 50 yards rushing and had negative eight yards rushing in the game, which is very odd for him, which I'm assuming why... Liberty did not do as well because if Malik Willis can't go and run of the ball. Liberty's pretty much dead in the water, but they did win. North Texas is not a good football team. They're one in 6 this season. Every game they've played pretty much, there's been some anomalies in there. but most of the games they've played have been decided by double digits. So this was kind of a letdown from Liberty in this game. They still got the dub. They still they still, they 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 still got the dub. But the game that I was really excited for this weekend was, was one that I know a lot of people out there probably weren't really excited for or as, as excited as me for this game, but it was Nevada versus Fresno State, and it lived up to the billing, let me tell you. 34-32 to 32 final, a lot of passing, which is what we expected, but Jordan Mims for Fresno State had himself a very nice day running the ball at 134 yards, rushing, and Carson Strong threw four touchdowns, almost 500 yards, threw the ball 61 times for Nevada, and the two players that we talked about in regards to weapons for Nevada, Romeo Dubs, Cole Turner, each had over 100 yards. With Romeo Dubs having over 200 yards receiving and a touchdown, Cole Turner had two touchdowns in the game. And Jake Hayner on the day, 256 yards, two touchdowns. Just a fun game. If you liked passing offenses or just long games, <laughs> passing is what those two teams do extremely, extremely well. Extremely well. And it lived up. It lived up to the billing. Traylon Burke had himself a nice game for Arkansas this week. Kansas State came back to beat Texas Tech this weekend 25 to 24, which is pretty exciting. Syracuse beat Virginia Tech 41 to 36. Any other games that anybody might have cared about this weekend? Other games that we were probably excited about? Doesn't really look like it. No games are really that surprising outside of those games. I mean, Coast Carolina lost to Appy State, but we talked about that on Thursday or on Friday's show. So you should know that one already. I shouldn't need to explain that one again. I guess Louisiana barely beaten one in six Arkansas State. Is that is that one that we could talk about? <laughs> I guess. Ah, oh, but man. Yeah, that's all college football this week. Very weird weekend. Very weird weekend. All that matters, the Panthers won and Iowa State won. So we had the big schools and Iowa getting dubs. So congratulations to those guys. But I am disappointed. I'm very disappointed that Iowa State, as favorites, stormed the field. That's very unsportsmanlike out of them. Very unsportsmanlike. And the immortal Sean Clifford. Back in action against Illinois, a very, very good opponent in Illinois, and loses in eight over to nine overtimes, nine overtimes, and scored eighteen points over thirteen quarters. <laughs> if we're gonna, I mean, it's not technically quarters, but thirteen. I don't, I don't know what do you want to call it because it wasn't quarters, thirteen quarters. That doesn't, that doesn't work out, Logan. Does it doesn't work? oh man either way just a really weird boring exciting game all mixed into one but yeah that's all we got for college football but we got a crap ton of stuff to talk about in the nfl we'll go over scores real quick in the early games now again i have no bills hawkeyes to talk about this week so i've been i've been pretty relaxed pretty relaxed I was just on red zone channel all day the packers beat the Washington football team Washington football team turned to just mess themselves shot themselves in the foot Numerous times in the red zone today. There was one drives they one drive they fumbled two times in the span of three plays, recovered them both, which was very nice. Taylor Heineke and I hate this rule. Give it gave himself up at the one yard line, which is I, again I think it's a really dumb rule. It's just a uh, a judgment call on the ref. We talked about this when the Bills and Texans played in the playoffs and the Texans won. This is the wild card game a few years ago, and the kick returner for the Texans just tossed the ball to the ref. Didn't kneel, didn't do anything, but they said, oh, he did. Common sense says he gave himself up. Well, common sense also said that he just tossed the ball to the ref and wasn't aware what was going on. Common sense says Taylor Heineke was just trying to dive towards the end zone. Common sense says he did not give himself up because then they said they're treating this like they're doing a slide. Well, it's not a slide. He's diving forward. So why are we calling this he's giving himself up? That is a stupid rule. Now, it wouldn't have changed anything in the grand scheme of things. The Packers won by 14 points. And they couldn't really do anything other than that touchdown. So you what? You would have lost. A lot of don't even know. I don't know how things would have changed momentum-wise in that game. Who knows? Because the Packers punted on that drive. And the Washington football team marched right down the field and didn't do anything again. <laughs> that was like the same exact thing. But yeah, that's a dumb rule. It didn't affect anything. Packers still won the game. Titans piss-pounded the Chiefs, which was awesome. So yeah, I want people to talk about this game the same way they talked about Josh Allen. After the Titans-Bills game. Did Derrick Henry knock Patrick Mahomes out of the MVP race? After Josh Allen had a very nice game against the Tennessee Titans and Patrick Mahomes through two interceptions in this game. I believe he now leads the NFL in interceptions. Huh. But that's not going to be talked about. It's going to be talked about how the O-line can't block anybody, which it's not played great. I'm not going to say that it's played fantastic. O-line can't block anybody. Receivers are running the wrong routes, which is what I've heard people say. And... They can't catch. Nothing's on Mahomes. But when Josh Allen had struggles, oh, it's all on him. Everything's on Josh Allen. Oh, it's miserable. Sucks. Can't play. Bust. We're not going to say that about Mahomes. Now, I do wish Mahomes a speedy recovery got a a brutal – it wasn't brutal. He just got hit in the head. He got a nice knee to the head, head tilted back, got a concussion. Chad Henney finished the game out. But we were watching Red Zone, and they were like, be aware. This is very brutal. I don't know if you guys could watch this. He, he took a knee to the head. Now, if he's gotten a worse injury than just a concussion, then yeah, it was a little more brutal, but it's, it didn't look like anything that bad other than just getting taken a hit to the head. He was falling over, took a shot to the head, head tilted back. He walked off the field, which is always good to see. You, you never want people to get carried out stretchers, but yeah, it's... Or no, he threw an interception and had a fumble in the game because he fumbled on that play as well. So I got my, I got my things mixed up. He fought, lost a fumble and threw a pick, not throw two interceptions in the game. But yeah, they lost to the Titans. and got pounded And the same thing. This is a Titans secondary that's pretty much non-existent. And the Bills still put up 31 points against them. Josh Allen still threw for over 300 yards and three touchdowns. But when Josh Allen lost the Titans, it was Josh Allen's not an MVP candidate anymore. The Patriots are right behind the Bills in standings because so they beat bad teams. That's the only reason they're good. Well, the, if you want to bring up the Patriots again, because I'll do it because I think it's pretty funny. Every game the Patriots have won this year has been against a rookie quarterback. And every game they had, now they beat teams that have combined win totals of calculating, calculating, cal- now it's just two teams. Two wins between those two teams. One of the teams they lost to has one win, and they almost lost to one of the said one-win teams that they've played this year, and the Texans, where they beat them by three points. Now you go, oh, well, Logan, they almost beat the Cowboys. They almost beat the Buccaneers. I don't care. They haven't played anybody either, apart from the Cowboys and Bucks, and they properly lost those games. The games they've won have been against one-win teams with rookie quarterbacks and Zach Wilson got hurt in this game. I'm not saying it would have changed anything because they won like 54-13. to So I'm not saying that would have changed anything. But talk about the Bills not playing anybody or beating anybody good. Neither of the Patriots. The last rookie quarterback to beat the Patriots at Gillette Stadium was Kerry Frickin' Collins when he was on the Panthers. So let's not talk about how these are very impressive wins the Patriots are doing either. Now, Mac Jones did throw for over 300 yards in this game with two touchdowns. First rookie of this season to do that. But that being said, though they had a good game against the New York Jets. He ain't winning Rookie of the Year. Zach Wilson ain't winning Rookie of the Year. Trevor Lawrence ain't winning Rookie of the Year. Rookie of the Year is undoubtedly going to Jamar Chase. And we talked about this at the draft. We said the Bengals should draft Jamar Chase because the Bengals upgraded their offensive line. People are like, oh, well, Benny Sewell is a generational talent. He's a can't-miss prospect, which is another, one of my least favorite phrases in football, because no matter where you're drafted – people can bust. Or no matter who you are, people can be bust because it's all about situation. Do you think the Bengals would go back and take Jamar Chase still over Penny Sewell? Yeah, a thousand times over. And everybody that said that at the draft, I didn't like them then. I don't like them. I like them even less now because there's all that graphic of Penny Sewell, anybody versus Jamar Chase and Joe Burrow getting sat behind anybody on the O-line pretending that the Bengals didn't improve their offensive line this offseason. Just going, oh yeah, they should just draft Panay because, just because. Joe Burrow's coming off an ACL injury that no one's ever seen before. Okay? They still improved the O-line. Jamar Chase and him have insane chemistry. You saw what they did at LSU together. And then the whole thing this offseason, of, or prior to the season starting, the report of Jamar Chase not being able to see the football because the white lines aren't there. And that got completely blown out, blown out of proportion. It's pro football focused, so we shouldn't be surprised at that point. But... They blew that thing out of proportion like he was talking about how he just couldn't catch anything. And he even came back and said, you you misquoted me on that. And then there was the whole thing about Jamar Chase is going to be used to catching these in a little better, get used to catching these, the XFL football. And Pro Football Focus, again, said, yeah, he's going to be doing that in a little bit. And now he's had more receiving yards than, than any rookie through his first seven games in NFL history, which is not surprising whatsoever. We talked about this before the draft, about how – Justin, Justin Jefferson was the only receiver or the, the only player last year to take votes away from Justin Herbert winning Rookie of the Year. Jamar Chase, when they were both at LSU, was clearly the number one guy for the Tigers. And we just kind of forgot about that because he didn't play last year. And Jamar, Justin Jefferson had this insane year for the Vikings. We said this during the draft. We said it before the draft. We said it throughout the college football season. We had Jamar Chase as the number one wide receiver in the draft because people were forgetting how good he was, and it pissed me off to a certain extent. I'm not even a Bengals fan, but I loved that LSU team. And Jamar Chase is proving that, oh, wow, chemistry does matter. And the Bengals' line improved. oh, wow, they actually did improve it. The one time Joe Burrow got hurt this year, he rolled out and was up the field five yards before Darnell Savage ripped his throat out. and I a throat contusion. But Jamar Chase, 200 yards receiving today and a touchdown, 82 yard reception on one of them that was just catch. What was it? Like a 10 yard slant, and he broke like four tackles and just walked into the end zone. It was an insane play. And the Bengals, who I thought would need a year, I thought that from what the reports were this off season, was Joe Burrow still looked a little bit sluggish with his knee injury. He's trying to find confidence again with his knee injury. So I was like, okay, we'll give them this year off, but next year they'll be a good team. No, they're a good team now. They're a very good team right now. They destroyed the Baltimore Ravens in Baltimore today, 41-17. to And it was a fun, fun game to watch. Joe Burrow had over 416 yards in the game. 200 of those again went to Jamar Chase. And their chemistry looks like it nev- they never played a part. Which, to be fair, Jamar Chase in college has never had another quarterback than Jamal, uh, Joe Burrow because he didn't play last year. So he didn't even have the, the privilege to play with Miles Brenner or Max Johnson or any of those guys that LSU rolled out there last year. But we said this during the draft. And now everybody's going, oh, i like to apologize to Joe, the Bengals and Joe Burrow and all these guys for that, them taking Panay Sewell. Because I saw those graphics, and it was like, and even the preseason, how many drops we joked about this during the preseason, if you remember this. Jamar Chase drops. He has three, three drops or something like that. Penesul had zero drops. And then we went on the same thing of going, well, how many allowed sacks does Jamar Chase have? I believe Jamar Chase has zero sacks allowed. Penesul, I didn't know at the time because I didn't care. Because so I saw those things on Instagram. I was like, well, that's a stupid argument. So I could do the same thing, but with sacks. Like, who the hell cares? They'll be fine on the O-line, and they have been fine. Their defense is playing really well. They're really good against the run this year, like really good. And yeah, they, this team is good. The Bengals are good. The Bengals were smart for taking Jamar Chase. We said it before the draft. We said it during the draft. We said it after the draft. We've said it every day since the draft. And now people are starting to realize, wow, Jamar Chase is really, really good. He has five, well, I guess this hasn't updated yet, but he has over 700 receiving yards this season. I don't know the exact number, but ESPN still has his previous week's stats for this. No other receiver at this point in time through six games or seven games has had over 600. He has over 750 yards receiving. But yeah, you were right. You are right. The Bengals should have taken Panay Sewell first overall, or fifth overall, my bad. Should have taken him with the first overall pick. But man... I remember hearing that and going, do you guys just, are we just forgetting how really good this guy is? Like, and people were talking about Devontae Smith winning the Heisman, Jamar Chase didn't play, all the Bengals drafted the linemen. All of that was aside. And just didn't look at Jamar Chase as the player and go, wow, that he's special. And he is. He's easily going to win Rookie of the Year this year. The quarterbacks haven't played that well. I mean, Justin um, Trevor Lawrence and Zach Wilson are in the top three in interceptions this season. Now, Trevor Lawrence is on a bye, and Zach Wilson got hurt today against the Patriots. And Mac Jones threw his three, first 300-yard game. Out of the rookie quarterbacks, Mac Jones has clearly been the best one to this point, but Jamar Chase is going to walk away with every rookie receiving record, knock on wood that he doesn't get hurt. Like, he's destroyed. This dude's bawling out. And It's not like the Bengals haven't played, or have played some terrible terrible football teams they just beat a really good Ravens team a really good Ravens team they came close to beating the Packers I guess they haven't played a murderer's row of teams Lions Jaguars Steelers Vikings Bears I guess it's not a, a murderer's row of teams but they're still decent football teams and the two loss they have have been decided by a field goal like they're right there and they're fun to watch this was like everyone's like ah the Bengals are, are they were legit are they legit? The Ravens are coming off a very big win against the Chargers. Like, they obliterated the Chargers the week before. Had a very nice cumber behind win against the Colts. No, uh, the Bengals are good. They're very good. <laughs> and they showed that today. Another team that, uh, I guess I shouldn't say is very good, but a team that had a, what do you call it, raised expectations after the first portion of the season this year. And I'm talking about the Carolina Panthers. They won their first three games against the Jets, Saints, and Texans. Fairly easily, I might add. Other than the Jets game, but the Saints and Texans, they beat them down. Ever since then, uh, they have not played very good like at all. To this point where they got beat 25-3 to against the, the freaking Giants. And not only that, Sam Darnold got benched against the Giants today. And fondly enough, the Panthers have entered the Deshaun Watson, <laughs> the Deshaun Watson trade rumors. They entered that right before I started recording this. Like, it was right before. And the Panthers were, oh, this is going to be Sam Darnold's resurgence. He's going to be so good. We're going to go, oh, this is the guy that we thought we were drafting. No, he kind of stinks still. And people wanted to blame Adam Gase for his turnovers and all that. Look at all these things he's doing. He had turnovers at USC. He had somewhat of a turnover problem at USC. He had a fumble problem, most notably. But this offense, I I, I didn't really realize it. I realized it a little bit last year. If they don't have Christian McCaffrey, this offense is dead. It is dead. Like, and I've already said numerous times Christian McCaffrey is the best running back in the NFL because of how he can do everything. This pro- like They are nothing without Christian McCaffrey. Like I think the Titans could survive without Derrick Henry. I'm not saying they'd win every game, but they'd survive because you have Julio Jones, A.J. Brown, a decent offensive line, a good quarterback. Like They'd be fine enough. Panthers have Robbie Anderson, D.J. Moore, which are good wide receivers. But they're dead on offense. The same Darnold stinks. We knew he stunk. And then this was going to be his career resurgence. And everybody's like, oh, he's good. Look at him. This is the guy we thought he was. And he was leading the NFL at the time in rushing touchdowns, which was weird. And, or for quarterback. Uh, well, I don't know if it was total rushing touchdowns or just for quarterbacks. Either way, it was weird. And now we kind of go, wow, he might not be that good anymore. P.J. Walker came in. Zit the ball around. If you don't remember PJ Walker, balled out in the XFL. He was the best quarterback easily in the XFL for the Houston um, Roughnecks. That was their name. And now he's with the Carolina Panthers, which is not very surprising because the head coach of the Carolina Panthers coached PJ Walker at Temple. So we shouldn't be very surprised that he's on the roster still. But yeah, they got blown out by the freaking Giants. The Giants okay let me me check again let's take a sip of water real quick the Giants the Panthers Sam Darnold was gonna be so good and they lost to the Giants the two the Giants team that just got obliterated by two good football teams and the Rams and Cowboys their confidence was low now the Panthers have had a bad few weeks recently too, but they're supposed to be a better team. Their defense is supposed to be good. Oh, Sam Darnold's got all these weapons outside for him. He's gonna be good now. He promised, and he's not. He's not. And there's another team that is involved. We'll get to the Joel Deshaun Watson thing in a little bit. The Dolphins they lost today as well, thirty to twenty-eight. Tua played well. Say, a little, say at least Tua played well. He threw for two touchdowns or no, threw four touchdowns, two interceptions, two terrible interceptions. But two interceptions, four touchdowns, had eight incompletions, 291 yards. Good game. Good game for two of Mike Isecki had a very nice game. Jalen Waddell had a nice game yet again. Miles Gaskin ran the ball decently well, but the Falcons came out victors. And Kyle Pitts is also looking really freaking good. He has more more receiving yards for a tight end through this amount of games than anybody in NFL history, which is not surprising because like Jamar Chase now good he was at LSU – Kyle Pitts is a generational talent who might be like – my friend Ryan said this right after the – we had a fantasy draft right before the season started, and he said Kyle Pitts the best college tight end he's ever seen. And I tried to go through my, my Rolodex, I guess, and tried to think of a tight end that I thought was better, and I couldn't really think of it. I couldn't. I watched Kyle Pitts play, and my jaw dropped numerous times just because of what you do. The first game of the season against Ole Miss was awesome. If you haven't, I would really recommend you go back and watch Ole Miss vs. Florida. That was an awesome game last year. Ole Miss was moving the ball pretty well in offense, but Kyle Trask and Kyle Pitts were in a freaking zone. And Kyle Pitts made a few insane catches today, had 163 yards receiving on National Tight Ends Day, Might add, It's not surprising that both tight ends led their teams receiving because the two tight ends are the other two teams' best receivers. And two of though... Had a nice game. Again, I need to stress that. He had a very nice game. And Sam Darnold did not. I say very nice. He had a nice game. Because he obviously threw two terrible interceptions there. But a nice enough game. But they're going to be involved in the Deshaun Watson trade trade links. And I'm not surprised. The main teams that you'll hear, or the team I guess, is the Dolphins. But now the Panthers are back in it. We're just basically going back to the offseason and going... Here's all the trade rumors for Deshaun Watson. Here's the teams that could link them. The preseason, it was the Dolphins, Jets, and Panthers, and kind of the Eagles and kind of the Broncos. Those were the five teams you heard the most about with Deshaun Watson. I guess the Raiders were kind of in there as well, but they were more in for Rodgers from what I heard It was like, or saw. It was like Rodgers going to the Broncos, Raiders, 49ers for a certain bit. But Deshaun Watson was mostly Jets, Panthers, uh, Dolphins. And now it's talked about like the Dolphins and Panthers or Dolphins and Texans are in trade talks. Like ongoing trade talks. And he's not, Deshaun is not on the league's restricted list, which is weird when you look at all the allegations towards Deshaun Watts. Now we don't know what's true, what's not true because we're not there. We're not in their attorneys. We don't know what's actually going on down there. We can all do is what we hear from the news media and stuff like that. But Deshaun Watts is not on the restricted list. Even though it hasn't, his fate hasn't been decided this is way worse, just on allegations alone, than Ben Roethlisberger and Zeke Elliotts, who got suspended a few games for this. Deshaun Watson hasn't been suspended, he just hasn't played. He refused to play over the Texans again, and he's still on the active roster. Like, he's practicing, he's on scout team safety at some points, but he's not on the exempt list, restricted list, whatever you want to call it. And when, So when he goes to these teams, he can play right away. From what it sounds like, he can just go in, suit up, play. But the thing is, the Dolphins stink. Their defense is not anywhere as good as what we thought it was going to be going into the season. And they're talking about like three first-round draft picks here. The Dolphins have one, and it's from the San Francisco 49ers when they traded up to get uh, Trey Lance in last year's draft, or this past year's draft. Their ver- their real pick belongs to the Eagles because they traded them that pick to jump back up to six to draft Jalen Waddle. And the Eagles ended up getting Devontae Smith. But, like, this might be the same situation we get with Deshaun over Miami. Now, that being said, the Dolphins do have a lot more playmakers on offense and defense than the Houston Texans did at this point when we were talking about it during the offseason. But the Dolphins stink. Like they're bad. I thought they'd be a lot better than this. I had them going 10-7. and 7. I do not really see a world. We talked about this on Friday or Monday, I can't remember, Of just, uh, that this team is going to f- have to finish out a damn near perfect season towards the end. And with how talented Deshaun Watson is, I think when he plays, he is a top-five quarterback in the NFL when he's playing and going. But they were bad with – the Texans have been bad with him at quarterback. Like his talent can only get the team so far. He led the league in passing last year. They were bad. They 4 and 12 last year. The Dolphins might suffer a similar fate this year. They're 1 and 6, 0 and 3 at home. Their one win came against the Patriots. The first game of the year with a 1-point win. Now they have been in some very close battles. They almost beat the they lost by 3 to the Raiders, lost by 3 to the Jags, lost by 3 to, or 2 today to the Falcons. Lost by 10 to the Colts. Got is pounded by the Bucks and Bills, which is expected. And it's going to happen the same thing next week when they play the Bills again, this time in Buffalo. So there's seven losses, knock on wood. I mean, we can expect that at this point when you look at the recent history between the Bills and Dolphins. Josh Allen, it, like we talk about Aaron Rodgers and Tom Brady owning the Bills and Bears. Josh Allen at this point owns the Dolphins. He's lost one time, and I think out of the seven times he's played them, has won uh, AFC offensive player of the week five times, which is crazy. The Dolphins play the Texans, Ravens, Jets, Panthers, Giants, Jets, Saints, Titans, Patriots. They ain't running the table, so let's do that. They ain't finishing above five hundred because at this point, I don't think they beat the Bills. I don't think they beat the Ravens. I don't know if they beat the Panthers. I don't know if they beat the Giants, we're being honest. I don't know if they beat the Saints. I don't know if they beat the Titans. I don't know if they beat the Patriots again. So just on that, and there's a lot of I don't know if they can beat again in here. So that's seven losses. I... Right now, just based off that little experiment we just did, the Dolphins would finish the season 13 and 4 because they beat the Texans and they beat the Jets twice. So there's three wins. I don't even know if they beat the Jets twice. They might beat them once, they might lose them another time. So you might be looking at a reality where they win three games. This is with what they are doing now. If they win to get Deshaun, maybe they're a little better. I don't know because they got talent outside. I mean, Jalen Wilde's a freaking beast. You got Devontae Parker's been in and out due to injuries this season. Mike Gusecki's a very good tight end. One of the more underrated tight ends in the NFL. But their O-line's not very good. The two tackles you drafted last year, they both moved them inside to guard. That's how bad they've been. You have a franchise left and right tackle, You, see, you think at you, least you think you do, with your first and second round picks, they're both playing guard right now. That's not what you want from guys you drafted in the first and second round as tackles you don't want that now Liam Eichenberg at left tackle from Notre Dame I really like Eichenberg. talked about him a lot going into the draft but their team it's just weird you got Greg Little from Carolina which they ditched dipped him after two years he was an early second round pick didn't do anything there the Panthers will also need to improve their off the line a certain extent, but they got players on defense like Xavier Howard Byron Jones is really good a really good Xavier Howard's really good Byron Jones is good. Javon Holland had a really bit of a brain fart today for one of the plays that they had for the Dolphins. But he can be really good eventually. Who else? Christian Wilkins is a nice defensive tackle. Is that it? (laughs) Jason Sanders is a good kicker, I guess. (laughs) Oh, man, but man. They'll lose all these draft picks. Will they end up like the Texans? Because the Texans at one point had a lot of talent. And they trade away all their draft picks and ended up trading away all their best players. And they couldn't pay anybody. Is that the similar situation we're going to get down in Miami? I don't know. I'm not a fortune teller. But Deshaun Watson, if we're being honest, scares me a whole hell of a lot more than Tua does. Because I remember last year, I don't know if you guys remember me talking about this, but ESPN released a graphic. And it was comparing Tua and Justin Herbert. And it was going through all the things, all these little check marks that Herbert and Tua had against each other, but one that I remember most, I don't remember what everything said on there, I think Arm Talent was on there, Herbert had that one, but I don't remember what else had. Tua got a box checked for It Factor. What the hell is It Factor? Could someone tell me what that is? Because I don't know what this It Factor is that we're talking about, because He does not fear me, or I don't, I know he probably doesn't fear, I don't fear him as a Bills fan, obviously he doesn't fear me, I feared Deshaun Watson a lot more than Tua on the football field, it's not even close, even in college I would rather play against Tua than than Deshaun Watson, Deshaun Watson at Clemson was scary, scary, scary good, but if they trade for Deshaun, are they just going to go down the same route as the Texans do? For the Panthers, they have a lot of really young players. A lot of young players. Their entire defense is like in their second year of the league, it feels like. They got Christian McCaffrey. If I'm Deshaun and I have any say in what the matter is, I would much rather want to go to Carolina, if I'm being 100% honest here. I don't know what the coach situation is going to look down in Miami. I don't know if they're going to be able to... Because the players, are not... their O-line is not very good. The Panthers' o line's all right I guess, but they've at least got picks. The Dolphins are just trading away everything. Traded away a lot last year. Got some of it back. Now we're trading again. The Eagles have a crap ton of picks. They have three top ten picks at this point in time. So maybe the Eagles throw their hat back into the ring for Deshaun Watson. They're not going to get all three top ten picks from the Texans, right? Or from the Eagles, right? Would that happen? I don't know. But there's, uh, besides Deshaun Watson on the move and the Dolphins and Texans, or Dolphins Panthers being in the mix for him, another team that I've kind of seen talk about quarterback moving or moving on from a quarterback was Baker Mayfield. I've seen this talked about a little bit on social media, and I don't know if I necessarily disagree with it, because we've talked about Baker Mayfield's a very emotional leader, great leader, he's a very tough guy, but... Would I build my franchise around him? No, I would not. Because if you look at the other two, two of the other quarterbacks that got drafted the same year as Baker Mayfield, Lamar Jackson and Josh Allen, who are two of the best quarterbacks in the NFL, they're going to get paid. Baker Mayfield's about to get paid. What are they going to pay Baker Mayfield? What, what is his price range that he's looking at here? Do they just ax it off and go, well, new quarterback? Because to be fair... The, the Browns have done everything to get Baker Mayfield success. Like, they got one of the best O-lines in football. No, they have the best O-line in football. Maybe the Cowboys is up there as well. Colts, when they're healthy, is up there. You got two really good wide receivers. Now Jarvis has been injured this year. Odell's been injured last year. You got Austin Hooper, David Njoku at tight end. Then one of the best one-two punches the NFL running back, and uh, Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt. But they've both been hurt this year, so I guess we could have that excuse. A good defense like everything's on it he this is supposed to be this year and the Browns aren't very good like watching Case Keenum in the Broncos or play face the Broncos would he have done would Baker have done much better in that situation than Case Keenum did 191 199 one touchdown in the game seven yards rushing are we saying that that's a lot better than what Baker a lot worse than what Baker Mayfield probably would have done no like Baker Mayfield might have put up the same stats like, I remember seeing when Deshaun Watts was getting traded, Browns fans on social media were like, I wouldn't trade Baker Mayfield for anybody. Like, what? We talked about that last year. Like, what the hell are you talking about? And we went through a whole list of quarterbacks I'd rather have than Baker Mayfield. Maybe not as a leader, or maybe as toughness, but as regards to quarterback play, he's less talented than Sam Darnold. I think he's better quarterback than Sam Darnold. But if the Browns took Sam Darnold at that point... Would they be better off? I don't know. Who knows? Because Sam Darnold went through some bad coaches, and Baker Mayfield's gone through some bad coaches as well. So I don't know. I'm not ready. If I'm the Browns, I'm not moving off him yet, but I have no idea what they're going to pay him. I don't know what his market value is. What does he do that is comparable to Josh Allen and Lamar Jackson that would put him up in that elite bracket of pay? What does he do? If you look at all the best quarterbacks in the NFL with regards to pay, Baker Mayfield doesn't do anything like those guys. Anything. I don't know what he does. Apart from being a leader and fighting through injury. I don't know. Josh Allen's done that. But Josh Allen's also bigger, has a stronger arm, is way more fun to watch. I know that doesn't mean anything. More fun to watch. More athletic than Baker Mayfield. I don't know. I don't know. I've never been the biggest Baker Mayfield fan anyways. Kind of died on that for a little bit now. Just because of how much Browns fans overrate him, it's kind of depressing to a certain extent. <laughs> uh, man. I don't, if I'm them, I don't think I move on from them yet. And same thing with like the Giants and Daniel Jones. You look at what the draft is this next year for quarterbacks. They're very talented, like Matt Corral, Malik Willis, uh, Desmond Ritter, Carson Strong, Sam Howell, those guys. I don't know how many of them go in the first round. And I don't know if Daniel Jones or Baker Mayfield are worse than those guys. By any stretch. I don't think that they would really be necessarily upgrading anything. I mean, I that's just sitting here now. Like, Daniel Jones, I think, is talented enough to become a nice quarterback in the NFL. We've talked about this before. I just don't know if he can put it all together. I don't know if he can stay away from turning the ball over like he has done numerous times throughout his career. Now, to be fair to him, he has done better at that this season. He has done nice at not being completely inept when it comes to turning the ball over. I mean, he's only had two interceptions thrown in two games. In one of those games, he threw three against the Rams. But he's not, like, being miserable like he has been in previous years. He's decent. He's only fumbled twice, which is a career low to this point. <laughs> he's only lost one. But, yeah, I I don't know if these quarterbacks – this is going to be a weird draft. I think we might be similar to what we had – when E.J. Manuel went in the first round, I think that was a 2013 draft. We might have quarterbacks drafted a little later. But then, then again, you look at some of the teams on the top of the draft. Like, at this point, the Lions, what is their situation going to look like? Because Brad Hol- or not, Is it Brad Holmes? Is he the GM of the Lions? I can't remember. Either way, the GM of the Lions, he was there in L.A. He was part of the scouting crew that scouted Jared Goff, that eventually drafted Jared Goff. There's a reason they traded for it. I think they might like him there. I know he hasn't been great this season, but there's been a lot of things the Lions have done this year that hasn't really been that spectacular to where you can't place all of it on Jared Goff's shoulders. But they're definitely a team to look at. The Texans, what's their thing going to look like? Do they trade for Tua? Trade for Sam Darnold? Trade for any of these quarterbacks out there whenever they trade to Sean Watson? Is Davis Mills going to be a guy that they think is going to be a franchise guy? Do they draft a guy? I mean, I don't know what the Texans are really going to do. What other teams are we really looking at for quarterbacks? The Eagles, Nick Sirianni has been really weird around Jalen Hurts, even though he is a good quarterback. Would you consider him a franchise guy? Probably not. But I like Jalen Hurts. I think he's a very hard worker. I think he's put up with a lot of adversity throughout his college football and NFL career with people doubting him and stuff like that. But remember, they tried to trade it for Zach Wilson. Didn't get that one over. Then Nick Sirianni basically refused to name him the starter until the week before the season started. They signed Joe Flacco. They traded for Gardner Minshew, quarterbacks that have had starting experience in the NFL. They didn't say it's not like the Jets where he had Mike White and Adam Moore, um, Morgan. I can't remember his first name though from FIU. Like they've tried to figure out ways to get Jalen Hurts off, but he's a very good fantasy quarterback. Which you know it's fantasy. So maybe are they a team to possibly look at a quarterback this year? We know Washington's probably going to look at one this year. Taylor Heineke, kind of same thing. I think to a lesser extent, though. I'm not saying he's close to Jalen Hurts, but I would say Taylor Heineke, I don't think he's a franchise quarterback material, but he works hard. Team will galvanize around him. You see the best players on the Washington football team, Chase Young, Terry McLaurin, say they play for this guy every game game of the week. Every day of the week, they would play for Taylor Heineke sometimes it it just doesn't come off he throws the ball high a lot Terry McLaurin a lot of his catches have been jumping balls and but he works hard he never gives up I'll give him credit for that but they're definitely going to be looking at a quarterback this year the Dolphins maybe I don't know probably not but if they don't get uh, move on get to Sean Watson maybe, maybe they do I don't know maybe the Panthers are the same bro. I don't know Giants, they'll look at, probably be talking about looking one, but again, I wouldn't do that if I was the Giants. Falcons, Matt Ryan will be on a year, one year left on his deal next year, so we'll have to see about that. But yeah, Broncos, they could look at a quarterback as well, unless they don't get one of the guys they're trying to get this offseason. Aaron Rodgers being the main guy, but Sean Watson will still probably be linked around there somewhat. Look at some of the other teams. I know the Vikings will be linked with one, but that's stupid. Steelers will look at one, and yeah, there's just a lot of weirdness in regards to. The quarterback position in this draft because there's teams that need them but would they use first round draft picks on these guys because I think they're really talented again I think they're really talented Matt Corral Mary very well may win the Heisman this year but will that guarantee him a number one draft pick I don't know if you look at most draft boards I don't think you'll have a quarterback you might have one in the top five might because you look at some of the best players in the NFL draft this year Kayvon Thibodeau Kyle Hamilton uh Derek stingley aiden hutchinson from michigan evan neal demarvin leal from AM. tyler linderbaum will be up there kenyon green will be up there does there anybody have some really missing here that i just can't think of at the top of my at this point there's got to be someone i'm forgetting because there's a lot of good players in this draft Def- like on a skill position level and stuff like that andrew booth from clemson the corner from clemson kyrie elam just keep on the going with the corners. Maud Gardner from Cincinnati will have to be someone that mentions up there. But There's a lot of re- jordan Davis from Georgia, the big dude from Georgia, a guy we were really high on before the season started. I don't know. And that's like 13 players right there that might be ranked higher than them. I think you could squeeze Corral and Willis into the top 10, but not like at 5. I think the top 5 players in the draft this year— arguably, are Thibodeau, Neal, in no order really, Thibodeau, Neal, Stingley, Hamilton, and Hutchinson. I think those are probably your top five players in the draft. At this point. That is just come me brainstorming right now. It's no list I've crafted out. This is just what I'm thinking at this point in time. No quarterbacks creaking in that top five at this point in time. But that is subject to change again. It is subject to change. But, but... <laughs> that's one of the fun things in football but it could also not change it could stay the same who the hell knows well yeah this week has been, it's been a lot of newsworthy things this week this week in regards to trades oh this team should move on from a quarterback oh what's the draft gonna look like in regards to quarterbacks too? who knows but this week's also been stupid in regards to scores. We've had a crap ton of blowouts. We've had a crap ton of weirdly close games. We had a weird. We had a 54 to 13 game in the NFL. When does that ever happen? But now, now we can go over the four o'clock games because most of these games are. I mean, two of them aren't done, but they're they're done. They're done. They're done. The Cardinals are beating the Texans 30, 31 to five. We've had two games this today. Get safeties, which has been weird enough. The t- the Giants got a safety against the Panthers today. And the Texans got one day against the Cardinals. Sam, the one against the Panthers was funnier, though, because Sam Darnold just chucked it into a lineman's head. That was pretty much what it was. <laughs> it got intentional grounding. This one, Kyler Murray got sacked, pretty much. Tried to get out, couldn't get out. Safety. Bro, uh, the Buccaneers are unsurprisingly beating the Bears 38-3. Both those games, pretty unsurprising. The Raiders beat the Eagles 33-22. to And the Rams, unsurprisingly. But it was weird to start. This game is a prime example of football being stupid this week. The Lions got the ball first. DeAndre Swift scored a touchdown. And then the Lions did an onside kick. Got it. Then they went three and out. And then they ran a fake punt. This is all within like the first five, seven minutes of the game. Like this, this is not supposed to be like this. It didn't work out though. Because the Rams are more talented than the Lions. Even though there was a lot of emotion behind it. Because Jared Goff's back in town. It's going to be an emotional game. But the Lions, the the Rams are better. The Rams are better. <laughs> the Rams, the Rams are better. The Rams are better. The Rams have a shit ton more talent than the Detroit Lions do. But, yeah, very unsurprising results for those ones. Maybe the, the size of the victories for some of these games was weird. But the team that won, I don't know if there was any game that was like, oh, I, oh the Titans Chiefs won. I guess there's one of them. But most of the games this week are kind of the Bengals. Okay, there's two of them that I can think of. Them. <laughs> Bengals pounding the Ravens and then uh, the Titans pounding the Chiefs. I knew the Ravens were going to lose once I saw an ad. For uh, the NF, like, uh, what is it called? Call the service thing? For the community service thing? And instead of call to action, they had a sign that said call to action. Like, you know, Ravens call. Call, call. That, that's where I knew they were, they were done. They were, oh, the game was over. No, the Ravens are not winning this game anymore. That <laughs> was close at that time. And the Bengals scored 28 points after I saw that. No coincidence. Never try to do a pun like that. That was miserable and terribly done. It would be kind of funny if I misread it, but I do think that's what it said because there's no quit that you have a sign like that get shown on national television and you allow the Bengals, a team that you have dominated over the last five years, to score 40, 28 points in the fourth second, geez, second half and then score 41 and allow you only to score 17 points when you're coming off a week where you just destroyed the freaking Chargers. But for the rest of the games, we have the Indianapolis Colts take on the Niners tonight, so you guys will know what happened to the Saints and to the Seahawks. You will know what happens in that one. If I had to make predictions, I'm not going to make one for the Colts-Niners game because that's going to look really bad <laughs> if this show comes out. It goes, wow, he said this team was going to win, and they did it." But I am going to say that the, uh, the, s- the Saints win <laughs> against the Seahawks. Possibly. Possibly. Things are subject to change, though. But, hey, hey you know what? I didn't have a lot of pain this weekend and football-wise, but soccer, Manchester United got pissed pounded by five to Liverpool today, so that wasn't great. And the Blackhawks are currently losing by one to the Red Wings. Blackhawks have no wins. We talked about this team was weird last week where they made these signings that we didn't know if they were, like, are they competing or what are they trying to do? And I think after these first six games, they are not competing. <laughs> Let's just put it dead in the water. They are not competing this year. But I have all the room in the world for heartbreak next week the Bills are playing the Dolphins again. But like we said, knock on wood, it should be a victory for the Bills. And the Hawkeyes are playing Wisconsin. I'm not entirely confident about that game, but that one's going to be like a 7-6 to six football game. It's going to be terrible, miserable game. Two good defenses, two horrible-ass offenses. Good freaking Lord. Do I have anything else that I really want to discuss today? Oh, the Bulls are good. That's fun. Bulls are really good. And I think that might be... I think that might be it yeah 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 i think we're good the taxes expected to trade sean watch before the november 2nd trade deadline Watson would not be in place for the nfl's exempt list if he were to be traded so that's just what we said earlier but i saw a picture of it so i wanted to make sure i got the wording exactly right but that's all i've got for you today on this monday edition of logan blackman show i don't i felt a little weird today a little t- tiny little tummy bug today so I haven't feel, felt great today, so the start of the show I didn't feel was that amazing. But it got, I think, I think, I think at least it got better. If it didn't, I can only apologize for that. We'll get better, I, pr- I promise, next time we have a show. But hey, this is four straight days with a show. Uh, maybe five. I don't remember having the last time. We recorded a whole week last week, which is very impressive for our schedule we've been going on. But yeah, I think this week was pretty fun. This week was pretty fun for college football. I didn't have any stress. Watched football, went to a haunted house pretty awesome so yeah that's all i've got to you for today make sure you go and follow logan blackman show in all forms of social media like the facebook page subscribe to the youtube channel and of course while you're at it since you're listening to the show at this point make sure you're following logan blackman show on apple Podcasts and spotify and with that i will see you all later peace